Amen. Please be seated. I'm glad you're here on this Sunday, and I hope that you've come in a restful spirit. I'm smiling because I know some of you have come here in anything but a restful spirit. We're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verses 23 through 27. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 27, and we're going to talk this morning, excuse me, through 28, I wrote that wrong. We're going to talk this morning about Sabbath rest. Listen, the world will not stop without you. First off, you're not that important, so get over it. Second of all, It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Come on. Come on now. Okay. All right. Stand with me in honor of God's word. The Bible says this, beginning in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. Now, that's Jesus, okay? He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing um, what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would see the need for a Sabbath rest, that we would find our ultimate rest in you, but that, Father, we would also recognize the need that we have, Lord God, to be refreshed and replenished on a regular basis in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, Angela and I helped to lead a, um, a uh, sort of little dinner getaway for pastors and their wives. They were about um, 50 couples, 50 or 60 couples in the room. And we did a question and answer during that time. And one of the questions we were wrestling with was, what does it look like for the pastor to get away and to rest? And somebody submitted a question. And the question was, they may have asked it from the floor. And the question was this. Oh, okay, we're going to switch back to this microphone. Okay. All right, we're in business. For those of you listening at home, this is awkward, but we're okay. Okay, so anyway, we were, um, we were there, um, and, and the question came, how do you get away when you're not allowed to turn off your cell phone? And uh, I was going to answer, there were six other couples. Now, my wife is generally a very reserved quiet woman she doesn't like the spotlight she doesn't like a microphone Angela leapt from her seat she'll swear this didn't happen but she takes the microphone and she says I'll take this one yes ma'am 
She said, why can't you turn off your phone? Poor guy in the audience, I don't know, I don't know, I didn't mean it. She said, you're not any different than anyone else. Nobody will die if you turn that phone off. And pastor, even if they do, when you turn the phone back on, you'll get the message. And it'll be okay. The Sabbath was made for man because man and woman needs the Sabbath. Now, legalistic expectations about the Sabbath and Sabbath rest are not helpful, but it is also not helpful, is not appropriate for us to ignore the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, it is terribly unhealthy, and I'm going to go so far as to say even ungodly, for us to ignore the Sabbath. Some of you would say, and you are right, as Buster has pointed out even in his reading this morning, that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath. And that is true. He is our more perfect Sabbath rest. And yet, Jesus himself reminds us that the Sabbath was not given so that we may honor the Lord, but instead was given as a gift from God to us because we need it. Sabbath is not the same as lazy. Teddy Roosevelt was the 26th president of the United States. He took the oath of office at age 42 after McKinley's assassination, and it makes him still to this day the youngest president in our history. He's also a military veteran, having served bravely, leading his rough riders up San Juan Hill, riding, according to those men who were there, on horseback as the bullets flew along the front line, commanding his men to continue the charge forward. He was an accomplished rider, an outdoorsman, and a politician. He also established many national parks, forests, and monuments. However, his beginning didn't start out that way. He was born a sickly child with debilitating asthma. However, he overcame his humble beginnings by embracing what he called a strenuous lifestyle. He believed hard work and hard play could fix just about everything that was wrong with the world and even with us individually. Even as a politician in Washington, he could often be found boxing and wrestling on the lawns. Now, I don't know for sure what Teddy Roosevelt knew about the Sabbath, but I know what he knew of hard work. Consider his words in his book, The Strenuous Life. I wish to preach not the doctrine of ignoble ease, but the doctrine of the strenuous life, the life of toil and effort, of labor and strife, to preach that the highest form of success which comes, not to the man who desires mere easy peace, but to the man who does not shrink from danger, from hardship, or from bitter toil, and who out of these wins the splendid ultimate triumph hard work was a virtue for roosevelt it is a virtue for americans and hard work has historically been a virtue for christians hard work is not an american virtue that christians have adopted hard work is a christian virtue that helped to shape the country in which we live there is a misnomer among some and in certain corners of the world that we cannot practice rest and hard work. And I'm here to tell you that there is no Sabbath rest without hard work. And you are better able to work hard if you have taken the time to rest. Now, 
this morning, we're going to talk primarily about Sabbath, but I did want to lay that groundwork to say the Bible says we shall labor six days, and on the seventh we shall rest. And we're going to talk about sloth in a few minutes, but suffice it to say that as we talk about Sabbath, if you're a little uneasy right now suggesting that people who take time off are lazy, you're in sin. Okay? So just go ahead and own that. You're sinful because you're judging others without pulling the plank out of your own eye. At the same time, if you live a life of constant vacation and leisure, you're probably in sin as well. It's a good time for us to remind you that retirement is not a biblical concept, it is an American concept. And you may get to retire from your primary vocation, but you don't get to retire from life. All right, let's get to the good stuff. This morning as we consider this passage, let me just acknowledge there's some difficulties in this passage that we're just going to gloss over this morning. We don't have the time to deal with all of these things. Um, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as he made their way, uh, they began to pluck out. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look at what they're doing. Now, we often get down on the Pharisees. Can I just tell you that if you lived in Jesus this time, the Pharisees would have been your heroes. I don't want us to miss that. The Pharisees were popular among the people. The Pharisees were religious leaders, but they were the people's leaders. All right? They were the populist leadership group. They were the middle class folks who were the Sunday school teachers in the synagogue. That's who these folks were. They were, uh, by, by, by appearance, they loved the Lord and they loved Him a lot. The problem is that the Pharisees, like so many of us, have decided that when I fall in love with the Lord and I begin to serve Him, then my way is the only way to do it right. I know, we've all been there. I know because I look in the mirror every single morning. Okay? Okay? So um, the Pharisees, though, were popular with the people. They're walking along, and they see Jesus' disciples plucking heads of grain. Now, we know the Bible teaches us in Exodus and all other places, lots of other places, the Bible teaches us that we are to take the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's what he said to, to, his, to his children as he brought them out of, Israel, or, or out of Egypt. You are to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. On that day, you shall not do any work. That's pretty much the gist of what God says. The Pharisees, though, figured that the best way to make sure nobody did any work was to re be real careful and explain exactly what this work was that people were not supposed to do. Reaping, according to the Scriptures, was something that you were not supposed to do. You were not supposed to be in your fields reaping. And so as the disciples walked through, and they were hungry, and they walked through, and they began to pluck heads of grain, which was allowable under the Old Testament law. They began to pluck the heads of grain on the Sabbath. These Pharisees said, whoa, whoa, Jesus, there they are. We caught them. They are reaping on the Sabbath. Folks, this is the epitome of legalism, right? When the Bible says you are not to reap, does anybody really believe that God meant, hey, you shouldn't walk through and grab an apple off the tree as you walk by? There's a significant difference between me grabbing an apple as I walk through and spending my day harvesting my crop. The Pharisees, wanting to make sure that everybody did it the right way, took their own convictions, and maybe their conviction, personal conviction, was that I shouldn't do this. There's a time for us to have this conversation. You can have personal convictions that are perfectly fine that you need to use to honor the Lord. If you have a conviction about the kind of shoes you should wear on Sunday morning, then by all means wear those shoes on Sunday morning. But unless it is a biblical mandate, we do not get to impose that restriction on others. Okay? I'm not going to hate on you. If you're convinced and absolutely, to utterly convinced that you need to wear a tie on Sundays or in some... There's not a single tie in this whole building today. Rick, oh, there's one tie. 
There you go. I, I don't even have mine on today. There is, wow. Thank you, Buster. Thanks for representing the staff well. I appreciate that. I do have a jacket on. But if you're convinced that that's what you need to do, then, then listen to me. Honor the Lord with that tie or that dress or your hairspray or whatever. But for us to then impose that restriction on others is unbiblical. The Pharisees might have been convinced, absolutely, utterly convinced, that if they walked through there, that it was just not honoring the Lord for them to pluck that, that head of grain. Okay? But they could not then impose that on somebody else because it wasn't in God's Word. Right? So the Pharisees are trying to do right in some ways, but then they're trying to hold others to a standard they've set for themselves. And Jesus says, we ain't going to deal with this. Listen, don't you know what happened when we got down to trying to uh, divide the nitty-gritty? This all happened once upon a time when David uh, ate, ate the bread of the presents from, uh, from the, the, the temple. or from oh, I can't even get it out. He ate the bread of the presents, which is not lawful for them to do. And yet it was okay. Jesus says, God gave the law, and many, most of that law is to be honored completely. But there have been other things that y'all have brought in, and, and other, other ways that y'all sought to apply these things. And in so doing, you've not built people up and drawn them closer to the Lord. You've actually beaten them down and driven them far away. Okay? Now, there's some other, some other difficulties in this passage. I just want you to know they exist. There's some question about Abiathar and the high priest and all those other things. If that's in your study notes in your Bible, just let me tell you that those things are easily rectified. But this morning, we just don't have time to deal with all of that. Because I want to get down to what the primary purpose of this passage is this morning. And the primary purpose in this passage is to remind us that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. The question we're going to wrestle with is, what is Sabbath rest? Sabbath rest is literally taking time away. Sabbath means to stop. It comes from a word that means stop. So how do you get there? How do you practice it? The first thing this morning I think is important is that we've got to choose our path. We've got to choose our path. Choose your path path choose you this day joshua said whom you will serve whether it's the gods of your fathers across the river whether it's the gods of the amorites but as for me and my house we will serve the lord folks choose your path now, now let me just say this some of you work on sundays the devil likes to use these sermons to climb in people's ears and then to to have them send me emails later and tell me how evil i am Y'all, listen to me. Some of you work on Sundays. Some of you are health professionals. Some of you are police officers. Some of you work in manufacturing, okay? I get that. I am not hating on you because you are nursing someone to health on a Sunday morning. And if you walk away from here convicted of that, the devil has told you that, and I did not. Let me just say that everything that I'm saying about Sabbath rest can be applied on Monday morning for those of you that are occupied with work on Sundays. But let me also say that if you are working on Sundays, that does not mean that you don't need to find times to rest. Okay? So I'm not going to revisit that throughout the sermon, but just know that we are not kicking people out. I had somebody say to me, you just don't want people in the church who work on Sundays. No, that is not what I'm saying. All right. So what does it mean? What does it mean then for us to choose our path? Without trying to be a legalist, let me suggest to you that you will choose your path. You will choose the path of the world or you will choose the path of Christ. 
Now, Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath command. That doesn't nullify Jesus' own words here. And so in many ways, you're going to make a choice. You're going to make a choice whether or not you're going to set aside a day to honor the Lord specifically, or you're just going to treat that day as any other day, and everything's going to be secular. Now, in, in Romans 14, Paul addresses this. He said, some people honor one day as holy, some people honor them all as holy. But regardless of how you work it out, let each man figure it all out in his own life. We're not going to be legalistic about it. But the important thing right here is Paul is saying that some regard one day as holy, others regard all days as holy. And and he says either of those is fine. What Paul doesn't say is that it is okay to regard all days as secular. We don't get to treat every day the same way and then believe that we've somehow honored the Lord. We need to find a way to set aside a day where we can rest and we can worship and we can honor the Lord with our lives. Now, Sabbath is about rest, but it's about so much more. Sabbath is about being like God. The God who labored six days and rested on the seventh. Why did he rest on the seventh? Perhaps God rested because he needed to take joy in the things that he had done. Sometimes we need to rest on the seventh day because we need to look back over a week of hard work and take joy in what has been accomplished. Sometimes we need to rest on the seventh day because we just need a nap. But the Bible says that we need rest. When we choose to set aside a day each week we to rest, we are actually acting like God. If our goal in life is to be like the Lord and we acknowledge that the Lord set aside a day, then why shouldn't we? It's an opportunity for us to serve as he does. Sabbath is also about acknowledging and trusting in God's faithfulness. Sure, you can get a ton of stuff done on Sundays. You might be able to make a ton of money by working seven days a week instead of only six. But by choosing to rest one day out of seven, you are trusting in the Lord. God, I know there's profit to be made on Sunday, but I'm going to trust you to meet my needs today instead of my own hands. The Israelites were taught this trust in the wilderness. God sent them an abundance of quail and manna on the sixth day so that they would be supplied for the seventh. Because that God who meets our needs and gives us our daily bread gives us enough to get us through even on the days when we are not working and we are trusting in Him. Sabbath is ultimately about a choice. What will happen if you choose to rest on Sunday? What will happen? What if you choose for your family to be committed to worship on Sunday instead of baseball or volleyball or Panthers football games? What if Sundays were set aside for worship, rest, and restoration instead of pursuit of the Joneses? I want you to listen to the lies that Satan tells us and then some of the truths that exist. One of the lies, if you don't work today, you'll not get the promotion. But the truth is, if you don't take some time away, you're going to burn yourself out. The lie is that if you don't earn that extra money to get that new car, your family's going to suffer. The truth is your family needs you more than they need a brand new car. The lie is if you don't let your kids play in that travel league on Sundays, they won't get the competition they need and they won't get that college scholarship. The truth is they're not going to get the scholarship anyway. Like it's, it's, that, that truth needs to be said. Everybody laughs like I'm kidding, but I'm not. 4% of high school athletes go to play college, college athletics. Of that 4% that go on to play, there's only a percentage of them that get a full scholarship. Keep on. Keep spending thousands of dollars a month or a week or a year or whatever to put your kids in all these travel sports. And then when college comes around, you tell me how much that's costing you. What if we invested that money instead in a college savings fund? 
If I don't let my kids do whatever, then they will get behind or they'll get left out. The truth is we don't even know what would happen because as the church, collectively, we've allowed the world to take away the Sabbath without even a question. When's the last time that your, your child's coach said, you need to be here at this practice on Wednesday night or on Sunday, and you said, coach, would it be okay if we honored the Lord on this day? When's the last time you asked the question? When? See, sometimes things happen, and I get that. I do. I understand. But my question is just collectively, when do we ask the questions? I asked for some help with this sermon on Facebook this week, and I, I appreciate one guy who said that his greatest hindrance to observing the Sabbath is himself. Folks, isn't that really true for all of us? We have a choice to make. We will serve ourselves or the Lord. God created us to need rest. Do you know more than he does? Do you? Now, again, we want to be careful with the legalism here. This was written into an agrarian society. And for people that labored hard in the field six days a week, what they needed on that seventh day was a nap. Some of you that do mind work all week long, that sit at a computer or, 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 or on the phone for hours and hours on end, some of you don't really need a nap on Sunday. Some of you need a walk. Some of you need more than anything for all the screens to get turned off and for you just to have some quiet, some silence, and some solitude. Some of you need to have some family time. What would it look like if we chose the path of Sabbath instead of the path of busy that our world tells us we must follow? At the end of the day, or the beginning of the sermon... We've got to choose our path. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is a gift that God has given you, the question I'm asking you is, do you actually trust God at His word when He says you need it? Do you? Or are you the superhuman that doesn't... I, I don't need rest. You're a liar. Okay? Why? Because God rested. Jesus needed rest. Are you better than Jesus? All right. Moving along. So choose your path. Second thing this morning, slow down. So you've decided. So let's assume that based on that, you've decided we need to take this Sabbath rest. Maybe the pastor's on to something here. So you've decided that Sabbath is a good and right choice. So you're convinced you're going to do it, but what in the world do you do? The first thing you do is slow down. Stop. Make the time to stop. Remember, the world doesn't stop on its own. You have to stop it. Um, Psalm 34.10, no, 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Stop. You're warring is what he says. He didn't say get up in the quiet of the morning and just have a good time. He said stop. Folks, let me tell you, if you're going to be serious about Sabbath rest, you've got to put a stop in that place. At the end of your weekly sentence, there has to be a period. Not a comma, not a dash, a period. End. Stop. Folks, can I tell you that if you get serious about slowing down and stopping, you're going to have to plan it, and you're going to have to bracket it, and you're going to have to schedule it, and you're going to have to work diligently to make it happen. We have some friends that used to unplug their phone on Sunday afternoons. I had some other friends who used to get mad about it. I was one of them. Just kidding. I don't know if anybody got mad. I made that part up. But I told you, so it's okay. But unplug. Why? Because we're going we're gonna to take a nap. We're going to do whatever. 
Y'all, when I lay down, it, it ain't going to happen today. Uh, when I get a chance to take a nap, listen, the phone goes to do not disturb. I love y'all. But if I determine that I need to set aside some time to rest, then I need time to rest. And if I need time to rest, I got to make time to rest. Sabbath rest does not equate to laziness. The Bible tells us to labor for six days and to rest on the seventh. That means to work your tail off for six days. As Christian people, we of all should be known as the kind of people who knew how to work hard. But Sabbath is not the same thing as sloth. Sloth is defined as a reluctance to work or to make an effort. It's laziness. John Kessler, whose book, The Radical Pursuit of Rest, I meant to bring it in here and show it to you this morning. I, I heartily recommend that book to you. Writes this, sloth is to rest what junk food is to a nourishing meal. Despite its false promises of refreshment, sloth cannot restore us. It dissipates us and leaves us spent. What are the number one outlets for our sloth today? This has got to be number one, doesn't it? Because we don't intentionally set aside time to spend on the internet or on those things. It becomes a time filler and then a time waster. And then the next thing you know, you've spent an hour just scrolling through whatever. Why? Because you didn't plan to do anything else. And listen, you will watch TV for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And on the back end of that, you are not rested. Why? Because that TV is not designed to help you rest. That TV is designed to engage your brain in ways that your brain wasn't even created to, to appreciate. It is so fast and it is so rapid that even if somehow or other your body feels a little bit relaxed as you sit there in front of it, your brain is being overwhelmed with images and information. Slow down. Stop. Plan for what it looks like to take Sabbath in your life. Folks, can I tell you that for most of you who don't work on Sundays, there's just no good reason why you shouldn't see Sunday as the day to be refreshed. God's love is not something you earn, but in many ways, Sabbath is something you earn. You earn it by working your tail off all week long and then going, <sighs> how many of us just need some of those <sighs> moments? For goodness sakes, right now, we pass ourselves in the road. I mean, we have three kids on three baseball teams, and then there's piano, and there's something else going on. I don't remember what it is. Um, and then there's y'all that we love, our church family, and all the things that go along with that. And then there's just regular life, like having groceries and stuff like that, that we just keep passing ourselves. We were away from home every night this week. Every night, okay? And we were away from home all day yesterday. And then when I got home yesterday, there was this yard work that needed to be done because spring has sprung. Okay, And guess what? By the time Sunday arrives, if you've had a week like us, you know what you really just want to do? You just want to go into like a carbohydrate coma after lunch and forget the world exists. But so many of us allow the other things to rob us of our rest. We get inundated by all the other things and we look at a, a, an empty moment on our calendar and go, what can I fill it up with? And folks, the American dream is killing us. 
The busyness of our world is not like that of Christ. Remember, we're studying this book right here, and in this book, Jesus is so busy all the time, and yet somehow or other, in the midst of all the immediacies, Jesus still finds time to rest, to get away, and to make the time. Jesus is so busy, but he never seems rushed. Jesus never seems rushed because even though most of his days are filled with things, he still finds the time to get away and rest and to be restored and refreshed. But folks, even though it is important for us to practice Sabbath rest weekly, we also need to acknowledge that God prescribed rest for his people each year. Turn with me in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, verses 22 through 24. And I have written down the absolute wrong. Wow. Okay, we're just going to tell you what it says, and then I'll try and find it while I'm standing up here. This is why, this is why it's so important to proofread, just so you know. All right, okay, well... Okay, well, I don't know. We're looking. We're looking. Everybody's just throwing things out. So what we're talking about are not the, the, um, the, uh, um, is, is not the Sabbath. We're talking about the feasts. And the Bible gives us in the Old Testament, God pres- prescribes um, three feasts throughout the year that are to be held every single year. 34. Uh, three feasts that are to be, to be um, ha- handled every single year. And those feasts lasted how long? If you find the text, then you'll know. I'm told it's Exodus 34, 22. This is where we were, I thought. Maybe I just read it wrong. All right. Exodus 34, 22. Thank you. Uh, you shall observe the Feast of Weeks. Um, the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you in larger borders, and no one will covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord three times in the year. Three times throughout the year there was prescribed a feast for Israel. Three times. The feasts were one week long. God says to the people, in addition to needing to get away and worship me regularly throughout the week, throughout the months, there needs to be times set apart where you're going to get away from your regular work, you're going to rest, and you're going to worship the Lord. Folks, hard work is important. But even as we work diligently, it is also important that we get away and we rest. Can I remind you, though, that that Sabbath rest is not all about me. It's about resting and recreating. The Bible, the, that word recreation that we have actually is a combination of two words, recreate. The purpose of recreation is for us to be recreated in the image of God. So often we fill our rest times up with all kinds of things that are not recreating us at all. 
we're not doing anything except consuming garbage. And we can't figure out why on the back end of a Sunday afternoon, I don't feel more relaxed. I don't wake up on Monday ready to attack my work. I'm wore out. It's because I didn't take my Sunday and turn off the things and disconnect from the world and actually get (coughs) rest and refreshment. Folks, how do these regular feast times fit in with the American culture? We have holidays, but how many days per year do you find yourself getting away from the hustle of life? I don't mean necessarily spending a bunch of money and going on some elaborate vacation. As a matter of fact, I would argue that sometimes the worst thing you can do is go on an elaborate vacation. Because you go into debt for that elaborate vacation and, and, and you come back wore out because you spent all this money and then you're trying to worry about how in the world you're going to pay for it. There's a difference between a trip and a vacation. My sister-in-law says, I think it's so wise. You go on a trip to see things. You go on a vacation to rest. How often do you get away and practice some kind of Sabbath rest? How much vacation time do you leave on the table? For some of you, that's really hard because you get like one week of vacation a year and you've got to figure out how to use it. And, and, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I get that. Some of you get lots of vacation. You don't find a way to use it. I had a man say to me when I was in, young in my ministry, talking about somebody else. And I said, well, you know, that, 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 that guy didn't use all of his vacation. And he said, you know what? I respect him a lot more now. Well, I was young and, like, ignorant, I guess. And I just went, oh, okay. Y'all, today, if that same person said those same words to me, I would say you shouldn't. You shouldn't respect him a lot more. He earned that vacation by working hard. And instead of respecting him for not taking time with his family and time to get away and rest, we should be rebuking him for not taking the opportunity to get away and spend with his family, to grow and to be refreshed and changed and challenged. Folks, ladies, listen to me. If you got a husband that works really hard and then goes home and spends all four weeks of his vacation with you, you need to rise up and call that man blessed. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not a whole lot to do that. I struggle with that. It's so important that I be away from here on Sundays sometimes because when I'm here, my family doesn't get to fully rest. It's not your fault. Y'all are the best church in the world. But for me to be able to fully engage with them, sometimes I need to be away. Last Sunday, I sat with my family and worshiped. My kids sat in my lap and colored a picture. Somehow or other, I still took notes. I don't even know how I did that. Sometimes I need that just like y'all do. But it's so important for us to slow down and stop. And can I just say, side note, throw these things out the window sometimes. I'm dead serious. My wife has an incredible rule when we go on vacation. That's right, she has rules for me and I live by them and it makes our life happier. (laughs) Get over it. She says, where's your phone? It's in my pocket. No. It, it stays in the room. And when I say the room, I mean our bedroom where we sleep. I check it once or twice a day. If somebody's dying, they'll eventually find a number to get in touch with me. But the reality is most of the things that are pressing in this world are just not that important. And I leave it somewhere. Y'all, how often do we leave these things? Last weekend, we went hiking. We went up to a, a state park. 
We got up there and, and there was no cell phone reception. And that was a gift from God. Because there was no temptation on any of our parts to pull something out and Google something. What kind of rock is that? It didn't matter. We're just going to enjoy it. Are the fish biting? I don't know, but we'll find out in a minute. How do we, how do we stop the bleeding on this wound? I guess we'll figure that out too. Slow down. Disconnect. Stop. The constant flow of information into our lives is making it such a challenge for us to stop. Get a hammock. Put it in a tree outside. Not today. It's going to rain. I'm going to lay in that hammock for half an hour. Make the time. Make it. Okay? I know it's hard, but make it. Sometimes we just have to stop. The world's not going to stop. We have to stop within it. And guess what? When we do, the world won't end. Sundays are not my Sabbath. Sunday's not restful for me. Listen, this sermon has convicted me and just beat me half to death this week. Because I'm, I'm really bad about taking my Friday and working. Okay? Really bad about it. Friday afternoon, I still had... All the things that needed to be done. But on Friday at lunch, everything just quit for me. I put on a pair of shorts. I went to the gym. I took the dog for a run. Me and the dog went and picked up Sloan. We went for a walk and we played. I got the kids. We came home. And I just forgot that all the other cares of the world existed for a little while. And I woke up on Saturday and I wasn't an angry man. I was actually just happy. Now he went downhill after that. But for a little while... Stop. And stop buying the lie. Stop buying the lie that your worth is predicated upon the number of hours you work each week. I expect our staff here to put in a lot of hours. I expect myself to put in a lot of hours. Okay? And a lot of that's because I, I don't ever want to see freeloaders here. Y'all invest heavily in this church to make sure that we can care for y'all. But their worth and your worth is not predicated upon the number of hours you work each week. And if you believe that, if you believe that, you've bought a lie. Okay? You've bought a lie. We need to celebrate hard work. We also need to celebrate great vacations and staycations. In Columbia vacations, I had somebody tell me a while back that one year they went to Columbia on vacation. That's fantastic. So, you know, we didn't have a long time. Money was tight. We went and rented a hotel room in Columbia and let our kids play in the hotel pool. He said, you know, it was kind of great because we didn't do anything. Like, we just rested. All right, stop. Third, this morning, worship the Lord. We don't just need to stop working. We need to stop and worship. Most of what passes for listening today is not listening at all. It's merely a pause between the sentences. The purpose of the Sabbath is to be refreshed and renewed physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You are supposed to enjoy the Sabbath. Consider Isaiah 58, 13. Or one of the evidences of a godly life is that we call the Sabbath a delight. Listen to this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasures on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going down in your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Talking idly. 
The Old Testament says shut your mouth on the Sabbath and enjoy the quiet. Take my four-year-old, for goodness sakes. How do you do that? Folks, the Sabbath is for worship. Worship the Lord. God gave you the Sabbath. It is a gift to be enjoyed, but too often, rather than using the Sabbath to be renewed and refreshed, we spend it in idle worship of other things. That's idle, I-D-L-E. But we spend it in I-D-L-E, worship of other things, which become I-D-O-L-S. We chase after our kids in sports, which quickly becomes an I-D-O-L. Or our sports teams, which is an idol. Or shopping, which is an idol. Or money, or notoriety, or debauchery. Yes, I know. I use that old word because in all honesty, some of you do not worship the Lord regularly on Sabbath because you're too hungover to do it. You're too busy worrying about what you did last night to get up and actually enjoy the Lord this morning. Folks, the Sabbath is for worship and for rest, as that old children's song used to teach us. Worship the Lord. Folks, if you do not enjoy the worship of the Lord, let me ask you, why? Have you considered that? Why don't you enjoy the worship of the Lord? Maybe the preacher's boring. Maybe. I don't like to sing. I love what Alistair Begg says. Alistair Begg says in Europe, in England, in the, in the Great Britain, he, he's from Scotland, but in, in, in Great Britain, he says, the men sing. He said, men sing at, at football matches, soccer. Um, they sing in the pubs. They sing everywhere. It's just part of their culture. In American culture, men don't sing. Alistair Begg says, I know when men have been converted in our church because they begin to open their mouths and to sing out. Perhaps the reason you don't sing is not because you don't like music. I bet you'd like a different kind of music. You don't mind going to a concert and singing along. Maybe you don't sing because you don't enjoy worship. And maybe you don't enjoy worship because you don't belong to the Lord. Maybe you've bought the lie that the gods of this world offer you more than Jesus. Would you come to Jesus this morning? He offers you rest. You were made to rest, yes, but the ultimate rest is the rest that Christ offers. I know I've said it often recently, but it cannot be said too much. Jesus urges us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. One of my greatest concerns in preaching this message is that I would turn Sabbath into a duty instead of a delight. I don't want you to walk out of here feeling beat up because you're not experiencing and enjoying and receiving Sabbath rest. I want you to walk out feeling like you're missing something if you're not experiencing Sabbath rest. Now look, if you begin to practice Sabbath rest, you're going to then begin, begin to feel like you're missing out on something because the idols of the world tug at our heart, tugs at our flesh. 
But I, I, I want to make sure that we recognize that Jesus calls us to him to take up our heavy burdens and to replace them with his love and his grace and his mercy. When the negative outweighs the positive in regards to Sabbath or Jesus, something integral has been lost. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He didn't come to burden. He came to deliver. Would you come this morning and receive Jesus? Would you come today and receive Jesus? You see, I'm, I'm actually asking you to do something that makes you terribly uncomfortable. For those of you that are relatively miserable showing up to worship, would you wrestle with the reality in your heart that perhaps the reason you are so miserable in worship is because you don't actually love this Jesus whom we're here to worship? Would you consider today that perhaps you are a sinner lost and destined for hell, but Jesus offers you rest today. Jesus offers you hope today. Jesus offers you salvation today. Would you come today and be saved? I'm curious also if some of you who belong to the Lord Jesus would come today and lay down some of the burdens that are keeping you away from regular worship of the Lord. Parents, I want you to listen very carefully to me. When your children learn more from what you do than what you say, and when we trade regular commitment to worship with our church family for anything else, they stand up and they take notice. And you can tell them all day long how important the Lord is. But unless they see that there is a time set aside in your family where the cares and the worries of the world stop and the worship of the Lord begins, then they will begin to believe that the cares and the worries of the world far, far outweigh the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it really doesn't matter what it is. It might be that camper that keeps you far away from regular worship with your church family. And you've told them how important family time is. Folks, can I tell you that family time is incredibly important. But 15 years from now when you come to me and you wonder why it is that they will not be engaged in worship with the, with the church. It's because you've taught them that family time mattered but Jesus' time didn't. When they become the best baseball coach in the world and they love those boys so much but they don't worship Jesus. It's because you taught them that that was the most important thing you could do on Sundays. When they own their own firm and they're making millions of dollars and they're raising your grandchildren and leading them to hell but giving them all the things the world has to offer, you have to ask yourself, did I lead them to Jesus? It can seem, 
It can seem when we step out of the American dream rat race and into the slower paced Sunday of Jesus that we're missing so much. But can I tell you that when you make the choice to pursue Christ, He opens your eyes to a reality that you did not know could exist. And He lifts your burdens. And He gives you joy and peace. Would you come today and receive the blessing that is the rest of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would find our rest in You. That we would be satisfied in You. That You'd be honored in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?